So Bedlam's off, which really isn't much of a surprise based on what we've heard over the last year. We're going to talk more about what Joe Castiglione had to say, Chad Weiberg from Oklahoma State had to say, and, I mean, Mike Gundy had his own hot sports opinions on this as well. We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and we'd like to thank LinkedIn for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman from 9 to noon. Josh, much ado about nothing with this whole Oklahoma State thing. It's like we, we've gone over this. We went over this last year, went over it in the summertime, and then all of a sudden it became a firestorm yet again. Yeah, I guess just because Brett McMurphy tripled down on this report, if you will. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we've done this once. We've done this twice. This was, I don't think, new news today outside of just, I guess, maybe for the first time we kind of got confirmation from Joe Castiglione that, yeah, no, Bedlam's probably not going to happen in the future. But we sort of, I think, already knew that. And maybe this was just one final shot in the dark from Brett McMurphy, like, okay, Chad Weiberg, okay, Joe Castiglione, like, you guys are sure this really isn't happening going forward? And we're kind of at the same place that we were at, John, which is, no, it's not happening going forward. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that this came out today on the same day that SEC scheduling was released. And maybe it was kind of Brett McMurphy kind of putting two, two and two together, like myself, the conspiracy theorist on Oklahoma's move to the SEC, still thinking it's 2023. I'm thinking, well, it's it's an odd coincidence that this is coming out on the same day that we're getting scheduling. Now, the SEC schedule got released and neither Oklahoma nor Texas were on the schedule. But I'm just going to say that that's going to be some misinformation that they're saving that 2023 schedule release with Oklahoma and Texas for a later date. But I think what was interesting here is it was more than just the, hey, our feelings are hurt that you left without us from Oklahoma State. And more than just Oklahoma saying, hey, we want to play the game. They actually got into kind of some of the logistics of it on this front where it's it's kind of down to the scheduling. And Brentman Murphy did a good job of like highlighting that, okay, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, they prefer to just schedule just one Power 5 program in their non-conference slate and generally play two group of five. Now, last year they played an FCS school. So I thought that was a really interesting wrinkle there, at least from Oklahoma's side of things, because they've maintained since the announcement came down that they wanted to go, to, they, they were going to the SEC, that they wanted to play this game. They wanted to continue to play Bedlam on a regular basis in non-conference play. Oklahoma State has maintained that they, they're good with not, they're done. They, from Dr. Casey Shrum, the president, to Chad Weibert, the athletic director, to Mike Gundy, the head coach, everybody's just fine moving on from Oklahoma. And I get where they're coming from. You know, it's hard to hard to let go of some of those things of kind of being kept in the in the dark as Oklahoma and Texas are making moves to move to the SEC. At the same time, 
time will heal all wounds. And I think this game does eventually get back on the schedule on a regular basis down the road. But I thought, again, from the scheduling standpoint, I thought it was a really interesting wrinkle that they began to discuss that it was no more just about like, Hey, we want to do it. Hey, we don't want to do it. Now it's a matter of like, okay, logistically, how could we make this work? If the sec does indeed go to a nine game conference schedule that that might throw a little bit of a different wrinkle into things. I hear what you're saying and I buy into Brett McMurphy's reporting from that standpoint. It really, I don't even know if we'd call that portion reporting. That's just looking at the future schedules and looking at the past schedules and saying, you know, philosophically Oklahoma and Oklahoma state typically have operated with the one power five non-con opponent. And then, you know, if it's two group of fives to fill out the rest of the non-conference and then one FCS, then so be it. However, that wound up shaking out year to year. That's the philosophy in the approach that kind of both programs have taken. Having and, said and that, probably and probably most schools. It yes, m- most schools. Having said that, John, I to me, you know, look, I, I don't have any way to, I guess, necessarily prove this, but I don't think it's about that. I think that even in a perfect world, like let me paint this scenario for you, and I, I did this on the radio side too, but I'm curious to get your perspective. Hypothetically, if Oklahoma was to, and this doesn't make sense from a business sense, so just toss that aside, but just play the hypothetical with me. If Oklahoma was to buy out, say, that game versus South Dakota State that Oklahoma State has coming up on the schedule, uh, buy out a Tulsa game that Oklahoma State has coming up on the schedule, I don't think Oklahoma State would play the game versus Oklahoma even then. Even if Oklahoma paid the buying out of the contract fees for Oklahoma State. So I think this is a combination of, yes, there's a little bit of philosophically, this is how we schedule. But I do subscribe to a lot of it is, screw you, Oklahoma. You you decided to go to the SEC and left us in a not as profitable situation and went without us. So I do believe there's a, a layer of hurt feelings to this. And I just think, you know, to act like it's only scheduling probably is inaccurate. Well, yeah, and if you wanted to maintain that scheduling was kind of the big issue, Mike Gundy's diatribe this afternoon when meeting with the media kind of left that to be desired. Like, it's it's evident that still Oklahoma State is a little bit hurt about this. And I, I get it. I understand. Like, there's a long history between the two programs. It Oklahoma would feel the same way about Texas if Texas just, just up and decided to leave. You know, a game, a team that you have a big rivalry with, a, a game that means a lot to the region – you know, to Oklahoma in particular, Bedlam is huge. Now, it might not be a rivalry in the sense that it's been back and forth and it's even in the the all-time series, but I mean, we really didn't get a chance to process the loss last year, but I know that everybody was just feeling crap, like crap, because we lost to Oklahoma State at the end of the season, knocked us out of the Big 12 title race, but we didn't really get a chance to go through that because of the Lincoln-Riley thing that happened less than, you know, 12 hours later. But I think had that not happened, we would have been stewing on the Bedlam loss for like a month or maybe a whole offseason because that was the one that got away from Oklahoma because they had a nine-point lead in the third quarter. It's not an even series all time, but it's still a game that matters. And it's a game that's significant, and it's a game that isn't necessarily at the level of Texas and, and Oklahoma, but it's right there. You know, it's a, it's kind of that secondary 
regional rivalry with a great name, Bedlam, and generally creates really great moments. You know, we saw last year, it was just a tight ball game between two really good teams, especially as Oklahoma State's on the rise. Like, that's a much more competitive game than what we've seen in years past. And I know I'm like a, a newer Oklahoma fan, only been a fan for maybe like the last 15, 16, 17 years. But as a college football fan, I love in-state rivalries, and I think that's part of the fabric of college football and not having Oklahoma, Oklahoma State on a regular basis for maybe the next decade and a half, maybe two de- Like, who knows when this comes back? It, it feels a lot like not having Texas, Texas A&M, which seems just weird. It's just not right. It, 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 and, I, and I'm still a big fan of the SEC move for Oklahoma, but not having Oklahoma State on the schedule on a regular basis and I know I'm kind of I might be in the minority of Oklahoma fans on this one that are just like what whatever we don't really care. I do. I I care. I think it's a great game. I got a lot of friends that are Oklahoma State fans. Like I think that's just a great thing for the state that every year you can point to this game as something that's significant and monumental, s- similar to South Carolina and Clemson. You know, not in the same conference. Play this game every single year. It means something to the state and it's significant. It stands out, especially in a state with very few pro sports. I mean, you've got the thunder and you've got some minor league teams, but like Bedlam is the attraction every fall for the state of Oklahoma. And with obviously peace and love and complete respect to all of the sports that we cover and follow and watch and really kind of, kind of love all of those sports, right? Football in this state is the king of sports, right? College football is king in the state of Oklahoma. And so the idea that Oklahoma and Oklahoma state, that Bedlam's not going to happen in the sport that really matters the most to the state, right? College football. I think that's disappointing. Now, you know, you touched on something I think that is probably notable here. Maybe it's time for you and I and whoever else in the media to stop fighting this fight because it sounds like Oklahoma fans, quite frankly, the majority don't care to see this game played anymore. And I kind of get that same feeling from Oklahoma State fans, too. So if the fans themselves at Oklahoma and Oklahoma State really don't care to play the game or see the game that much anymore, then, you know, who are you and I to sit up here and kind of fight this battle about Bedlam and the importance of it? I'm with you from just like the most general sense that I think Kansas and Missouri should be playing football every single year, right? I always thought Texas and Texas A&M should be playing football every year. If for some reason Oregon and Oregon State split up, I think the Civil War should happen every single year. I believe in that for in-state rivalries. But look, if nobody else cares about it, then maybe we shouldn't care about it either because I just kind of keep getting that feeling from the fan bases that, yeah, whatever, we're we're ready to move on from Bedlam football. So long, farewell. So what we kind of already knew about Bedlam, well, Brett McMurphy, he he gave us the third times the charm. Yes, Bedlam is not really going to happen. So coming up next, Let's uh, continue to dive into Oklahoma, Kansas State. The importance of this matchup, where does it sit now in the pantheon of most important games in terms of the Big 12 Conference this year? Has that changed for Oklahoma and Kansas State? That's coming up next. Let me tell you quickly, though, about, well, LinkedIn. We, We love LinkedIn as you gear up for fall. You're looking for the right people to put on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs, it's here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach 
your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then you just add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one, numero uno, baby, in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So that's uh, linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Oklahoma, Kansas State. I told you yesterday that really my perspective of Kansas State, yes, was if not just the Tulane loss alone, John, the start to the season offensively for Kansas State, I don't feel the same way about the Wildcats as I did coming into the season. I know that you and I were, uh, you know, I don't want to say at odds debate show style, first take style here, but I was a little higher on Adrian Martinez and how that was going to fit in with Kansas State and with Deuce Vaughn offensively for Colin Klein. Then, then you, you told me in the offseason, I don't know, man. I've seen plenty of Adrian Martinez, and I'm just not super high on it. Ultimately, so far, you have come up absolutely roses on that. I now feel like Kansas State has some legitimate, serious, serious problems with Adrian Martinez throwing the football. So with that in mind, man, you know, I start thinking about challenging home games for Oklahoma, and I would have thought that Kansas State would be, if not number one on that list, right there with Baylor or Oklahoma State for that type of title this season. To me now, John, based on what we've seen the opening several weeks of the season, that's a distant third to those three games in terms of most difficult home games. So with that in mind, I do now feel this game, it's important because it's Oklahoma and we think Oklahoma is the favorite to win the Big 12 championship. But in terms of the actual Big 12 championship race itself, John, I don't know that this is necessarily even the most important game this weekend in that regard. I mean, that might be Baylor-Iowa State. Is that crazy to say? No, I don't think that's crazy to say at all. I think with the way Iowa State's played to start the season, especially with that win over Iowa, I think it's safe to say that they're still going to be at one of the top five teams in the conference, especially as we get towards the end of the season. And that game later in the season against Iowa State could have probably, probably will have more Big 12 title implications than this one here. I don't foresee Kansas State being a legitimate player in the Big 12 title race when we get to November. You know, they might hang around a little bit in October, and you know, I, I haven't really looked at their schedule much, but it just doesn't seem like a team that is firing on all cylinders offensively. You got Deuce Vaughn, and you talked about it yesterday. They've got they've got some talented wide receivers. We just don't, I just don't think they've got a guy that can get them the football. And I mean, you look at what Adrian Martinez has done this year so far, you know, against South Dakota, he went, you know, had a great completion percentage against South Dakota, 11 to 15, but for only 53 yards, he averaged just 3.5 yards per attempt against Missouri, not necessarily the best pass defense in the country. They're 63rd right now in pass defense, allowing 212 yards per game. Some of that due to who they faced in Kansas State, uh, but they're allowing 11.56 yards per completion on the season. And Adrian Martinez was nine of 20. He completed 45% of his passes for just 101 yards and 5.1 yards per attempt. And then you go to the Tulane game where he completed 67% of his passes but for just 150 yards and 4.8 yards per attempt. So 
he's had a couple of efficient games on the season where he's had good completion percentages, but they're not getting the ball down the field. You're not going to win throwing behind the sticks and throwing behind the line of scrimmage and throwing five yards down the field all the time. And you're definitely not going to be able to keep up with a team like Oklahoma on in that vein. We talk about Adrian Martinez as the runner. He's a good runner. He's, he's done a lot of really good things on the ground. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, who I like to go to for rushing yards because they don't take away sack yards, in, and it's more just design runs and scrambles. Uh, he's averaging 4.8 yards per carry, 167 rushing yards, two touchdowns. But the thing that we've talked about time and time again with Adrian Martinez, he's got two fumbles in three games. It's a guy that's loose with the football. What have we seen from Oklahoma so far this year? They're looking to strip the ball out. And I have a pretty good feeling that they're going to get the ball on the ground a couple times when Adrian Martinez is carrying it. Defensively, Kansas State's really good. I think that's going to pose some problems for Oklahoma at times in this game, but I think Oklahoma's offense is just better. Back to your question about where does this one rank as far as home games? Like I, I might even consider the Kansas game right now to be more significant. With the way Kansas is playing offense, I mean, number five in the nation in offense. They've got two really quality wins on the books already in West Virginia, at West Virginia, in Morgantown, at Houston. Games where they put up huge numbers, put up huge points, and then they're about to take on a 3-0 Duke team. Like If they win that one, I think it's time to start seriously considering Kansas as potentially a top-five team in the Big 12 this year. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at USA Today's latest bowl projections, and they've got Kansas going to, the, going to a bowl game. And, and so that's just wild to think. Like Jalen Daniels, like, I think he's playing really, really good football. And so I think that that game is taking on more and more significance as time goes by. But I mean, if you're looking at obviously the top two games and you can rank them any way that you want to, as far as home games for Oklahoma, Baylor and Oklahoma state, those two are the most significant still. Uh, And then you're looking at, I I don't know, you might be looking at Kansas as the next most significant game uh, on the, the home schedule for Oklahoma to finish the year. I can't wait to see what happens with KU this week versus Duke, I mean, they're an eight-and-a-half-point favorite or in that neighborhood favorite. I think they're going to win this game. I think they'd win it probably fairly comfortably. And then the next two weeks before Oklahoma, I mean, is there a chance Kansas comes into the OU game undefeated? Can they take care of business versus both Iowa State and TCU at home? Right now, I don't know if we're getting lost in the sauce here a little bit with the Jayhawks, but it kind of feels like they could. It kind of feels like they could at this point. So I, I don't know. That's going to be fascinating. I don't think you're crazy for saying that about Kansas. Potentially, I mean, basically, in that regard, all you're saying is maybe Kansas is a better football team this year than Kansas State, which has been sacrilegious to say for a decade since Todd, Todd Reising left Lawrence, Kansas. But, uh, you know, right now with Jalen Daniels, what they're doing, it looks like maybe that's not the, the most wild thing. Back to Kansas State, man. You know, this is the no-brainer statement of the week. If this is going to turn back into the game of the week in the Big 12, right, and if Kansas State is going to make a statement like they've done in the past when we haven't necessarily expected them to in Norman to come in here and perhaps hang with Oklahoma and ultimately shock Oklahoma, yes, they're going to have to hit on downfield passes, right? We know that with Adrian Martinez. They have to be better there. But, I mean, honestly, man, it's a no-brainer statement, but – Oklahoma's 48th right now in rushing defense, okay? And it's no secret what Kansas State wants to do. They want to be successful doing the quarterback RPO game, and they want to use Deuce Vaughn a lot. And it's obvious that that's what Kansas State wants to do. They're 12th nationally in rushing offense, Kansas State is. But 
man, as much as we can sit here and say, hey, they've got to hit on some downfield passes and Adrian Martinez has to be better. John, honestly, I don't think Kansas State can win this game if they don't run the ball well. Oh, 100%. They're going to have to run the ball efficiently and effectively. And I mean, it's going to be three yards in a cloud of dust from Kansas State this week. But I think Oklahoma's got the dogs in the middle now to make life really, really difficult on the interior. Like quarterback power is not going to go as well as it has in the past. You know, we saw Oklahoma open up with a three, you know, defensive line, a three-man defensive alignment, alignment, pardon me, uh, last week against Nebraska. No, this week they're going to be running out four guys on the defensive front. Like you're going to see more traditional fronts from Oklahoma this week because they don't have to necessarily be as concerned with the passing game. Like Casey Thompson, he's a good quarterback. He's a decent passer. And so they came out respecting that a little bit with that three, two, five alignment that they're running out a little bit more this week. I expect them to see, see a little bit more four, two, uh, you know, four, three alignments a little bit more and a lot of Jaron Kanick at the, the cheetah, you know, mixing in with Deshaun white so that they can kind of stay in more base packages. Uh, and so I, that's kind of what I'm expecting to see this week because um, I said three, two, five, the three, three, five alignment. Um, that's, that's 11 players. That's math. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, stopping the run is going to be key for Oklahoma. They're going to have to, like, if, if they can't stop the run, that's going to open things up in the passing game for Adrian Martinez. And maybe this is the week that he starts to actually hit some things down the field because I mean, he, he was decent last year against Oklahoma. I mean, wasn't good enough to win the football game, but he kept him close. Uh, and so, yeah, I, that's kind of where I see it falling too, is if you can't slow down Deuce Vaughn even a little bit and you can't slow down Adrian Martinez even a little bit, then it's going to be a long day for Oklahoma's defense. But I have very little uh, concern that that's going to be the case. But we'll continue to talk about Kansas State. I think we're both kind of on the same page here. But uh, first, let me talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest place to bet on all your sports action from po- pro and college football. They've got everything you need. They've also got great lines on Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. You can play multiple parlays. Right now, Oklahoma's sitting at like a minus 13 favorite over at Bet Online. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. That's Bet Online. Okay, Josh, we were going to go one more direction with this uh, Kansas State. So we're, we're asking the question, how much better do we think that they can improve from last week against Tulane to this week? And and I think that's kind of where it lies, right, is with the running game. Against Tulane, they didn't run the ball necessarily well. I mean, they, they, they were okay. They did a decent job, but it was not their best rushing attack. Yeah, I mean, obviously Kansas State's going to have to chunk run against Oklahoma, right? Then they're going to have to also – move the sticks with some kind of minimal gain runs. I mean, they're going to have to do a little bit of everything, I think, on the ground, John. And then the obvious is they got to be able to hit some in the play-action game. I mean, it's it's not rocket science with uh, Kansas State what they want to do. Get Deuce Vaughn the football a lot and hope that getting Deuce Vaughn the football a lot can be effective for you. This is going to be the, you know, far and away the best group of skill guys that Kansas State will have seen defensively. Now, they've got multiple guys in their defensive backfield, Kansas State does, that have already got a couple of interceptions on the season. That tends to happen when you've got uh, Mr. Felix Anudike Uzuma up front, if, I pronounce it, if I'm pronounce if i pronouncing that uh, last name correctly. I mean, he's going to obviously 
get into some situations you would think where he'll pressure and perhaps make Dylan Gabriel make a throw that he wishes he wouldn't have made. I mean, that to me, can Kansas State do that this week? All of that has to happen for them. I think number one to hang around and then obviously number two to win the game. Their defense is playing well. I mean, it, they've only allowed, I think it was like nine points per game. But again, you look at the competition that they've played, Tulane, South Dakota, Miss, uh, Missouri, who's not good this year. I mean, it's an SEC program, but I mean, they might be one of the worst in the SEC this season. Uh, and so, I mean, 9.63 points per game, that's not anything to sniff at because it's it's good. You shut out an opponent. You've played well against your other two. So I think the defense is good. It's solid. Oklahoma's going to have to be an efficient offense themselves. But again, I think it's going to come back to the offense for Kansas State. I think Kansas State's defense might be able to do enough to slow down Oklahoma for a little bit. But I think as we've seen in these games that Oklahoma might kind of get slowed down for you know half of a quarter or a quarter, but it doesn't take, or like we saw last week against Nebraska, like a drive. But what we've seen is that it doesn't take long for Oklahoma's offense to get rolling. And then once it does, it's hard to slow down. It's hard to stop. And if Oklahoma is able to get a 10-point lead, shoot even a seven-point lead at any point in this game, I just don't know if Kansas State's going to be able to have the, the horses to keep up offensively. Kansas State's going to have to play kind of a, a defensive game. They're going to have to hope that they get a, a big you know turnover that puts them in great field position or even gets them a score to, I think, really have a chance in this one. Because I think I just don't – again – I keep pointing to the offense for Kansas State. I just don't think that they're going to be able to do enough against this defense because I I like what I've seen from this defense, even though it's only been three games and the opponents that they've played. It's what we're seeing on the field. It's an intensity. It's a tenacity. It's a relentlessness that is constantly going. And you're seeing it not just from your starters, not just from your guys that you expected to be star players, but you're seeing it from the guys like Jaden Davis, who many people didn't even project to start this year. He's he's showing a, a physicality and a toughness that we haven't seen. We're seeing it from a guy like you know Deshaun White, who we weren't sure whether or not he would start, but he ended up becoming the cheetah. We're seeing you know now we got Key Lawrence back. Like Key Lawrence missed the UTEP game, came back in a big way against Nebraska. Billy Bowman's having a heck of a start you know, to his, the seasons, like you've got guys all over the defense that are playing really, really well, but haven't necessarily reached like their peak for the Oklahoma Sooners. They haven't like ascended to that, like star status completely. They're guys that are still, you know, on an upward trajectory and can continue to get better. I'm just, you know, looking at the Kansas state, Missouri box score, really the, the scoring plays for Kansas state and, you know, you talk about how much can they, I guess to answer the question directly, which I probably didn't do at the, the top of this segment, I don't think that Kansas State can improve enough in one week to beat Oklahoma. If if they do, I think there's there's only a couple of equalizers that can make that possible. One, which they already showed uh, against Missouri, and it's kind of a hallmark of the Kansas State program, right? Block a punt, run the punt all the way back, right? I mean, something in the special teams game, that we're not accounting for or thinking of right now to go along with a turnover or two. I mean, that's kind of been the recipe in the past that Kansas state has used with less talented rosters to come into Norman and to shock OU. You know, this one, you know, even has a little bit different feel than past Kansas state potential shockers, just because John, they legitimately seem so much further 
in the negative direction offensively than maybe we've seen a Kansas State team come into Norman really at any time. I mean, they're so incredibly deficient throwing the football that, yes, I mean, for them to improve enough in one week, man, I just – again, unless Deuce Vaughn, you're telling me, somehow rips off, you know, one catch that he gets in the backfield and makes two guys miss and takes it 70 yards, which, oh, by the way, we've seen, and then a couple of runs that are kind of similar to that – I mean, man, I just don't know that there's going to be enough in the throw game for them unless you mix in multiple turnovers, unless there's that special teams play for Kansas State. I mean, we've seen it in the past, and that's a hallmark of Kansas State, but to sit here and bank on it going into this game, man, I I just – if I'm a Kansas State fan, I'm not particularly – I'm not hopeful that that's going to happen. Yeah, and and you look at recent evidence, and – what we've seen from Kansas state so far this season is that you have a really strong running game with Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez, but just the passing game is just not there yet. And I mean, maybe there's a chance they were holding things back in their passing game. But to me, like if you have it in your back pocket and you're down to two lane, you probably need to let it out. Like, you probably need to pull it out of the back pocket and put it on the table and not worry so much about who you're facing next week and not letting Oklahoma see things. You just need to go win the football game. So it, to me, it's about trust. Like, I just don't know if there's enough trust there to let Adrian Martinez throw the football down the field because of the turnover, the turnovers that he's just, he's very free with the football and that can be great. Like if you're a gunslinger, it can be great and you can have things work out really, really well for you when you make the big play. But then if you're throwing a bunch of interceptions, it works negatively towards you. So I don't know, man. I, I hate to be like completely down on this team because they are two and one. They do have a good defense. They've got one of the best players in all of college football in Deuce Vaughn. They've got a tough quarterback. Like as much as he might not be a great passer, Adrian Martinez makes up for it with intangibles and intangibles can keep you competitive and they can help you win football games. Like he's got the toughness. He's got the grit, the, the determination. If he can hold on to the football and he can hit a big player too, that changes the landscape for Kansas state in this game against the Oklahoma Sooners. It's just a matter of will we see it? I think, you know, right now we're seeing two teams like heading in opposite directions offensively. Oklahoma's heading upward and Kansas state's heading downward. A lot of it we'll see on Saturday night when they get under the lights and, and this starts to play out on the football field. But as things stand right now, I'm still feeling pretty confident about Oklahoma, despite all of our listeners and viewers that are telling me to not be so confident in this game because Kansas State can jump up and get you. We talk about how this team is different. Brent Venables is a different coach, Brent, you know, than what we had under Lincoln Riley. He's a different coach even than what we had under Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops is great. But I think what we're seeing from Brent Venables just early in his tenure is like what we're doing is not good enough. Like just winning is not enough. And the standard isn't just the scoreboard. That was the, that was my favorite line from his presser uh, today or from Saturday last few days was like, we're not playing against the scoreboard. We're playing against our standard. And I'm like, that's very golf. Like, right? Like you're not playing against the other opponent. You're playing against yourself. And I kind of love that mentality because it's like, if we're just playing to win the game, which sorry, Dennis green. Yes, you do play to win the game, but if we're just playing to win the game, we're not necessarily focusing on the things that we have to do to get better. That was what we heard from them last year. Right. Is that, Hey, we're winning these games. We're close. Like we're doing what we need to do, but we're not focusing on the details that have to get better. We're not 
holding our team accountable in the areas in which they need to get better. And so again, that's, I think that's why I feel so confidently in this team and not suffering a letdown, especially against a team again, like Kansas state who has jumped up and bit them at several times in the past is because this coaching staff isn't going to let them get comfortable. There's zero chance that Brent Venables and Miguel Chavis and Jay Valai and Todd Bates and Bill Biedenboe and DeMarco Murray and El Damian Washington, Jeff Levy, Ted Roof, none of these guys are going to let this team get comfortable. They want them feeling the, the strain. That's what they've talked about all offseason. They want them feeling that pressure to continue to improve. They want them to feel the accountability to continue to improve and work on those things. So that's why I feel really confident is a lot of it's based on this coaching staff. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I got a lot of faith in what this staff is doing, particularly the head coach so far. But, uh, you know, I do have a lot of respect for Chris Kleiman, too. I just, again, to me, it's it's kind of the concerns at quarterback that have really altered my perception on what type of challenge Kansas State is bringing to Norman. But who knows, right? Maybe there's a surprise up uh, Kansas State sleeve. And this is, this is something we can maybe dive into on one of our shows before the end of the week. Chris Kleiman's talking about, okay, no, he's absolutely our number one guy. Adrian Martinez, 100% is the quarterback. I don't know that it's out of the realm of possibility that you see a second quarterback in Norman, Oklahoma on Saturday night. So that's something we can dissect as the week rolls on. Yep, and that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thank you so much for tuning in and making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Again, we're free and available on all podcast platforms. Again, Go to YouTube, hit the subscribe button, the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Trying to get the 3,000 subscribers by the Red River Showdown, so make sure you hit the subscribe button uh, and help help us grow the show. Make sure you share it with your friends and your family. Let them know Locked On Sooners is where you go for your daily Oklahoma Sooners coverage. But until next time, where it's going to be Josh. Josh is going to be taking over the show. I'm going to be taking the night off. My wife, lovely wife, is uh, turning 42, so happy to celebrate that with her tomorrow night. Uh, but I'll see you back on the when Thursday show and Friday show. So until then, I'm John Williams. He's Josh Helmer. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>